Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hit it! Who is the law and order presidential candidate, Donald Trump or Joe Biden? Stand by. The doors to the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in. So sit back and relax as we unfold today's edition of the Ledger Report. And in San Diego, one anchor man was more man than the rest. His name was Graham Ledger. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. today, they would share in our anger and frustration as we continue to see black men and women slain in our streets. Stop tape. This is the lovely and talented Kamala, Kamala, radical, whatever, Harris, trying to convince voters that if Martin Luther King were alive today, that he would be in the streets rioting with the malcontents in Portland. And the crazies in Wisconsin and the nutcases from time to time that that pop up in uh, in Hollywood, in in Los Angeles or in the crazies in uh, New York. She wants us to believe that Martin Luther King, who was stood for multiple things, equality, yes, judging people by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin, yes. But he also stood for nonviolent protest. One of my favorite axioms from Martin Luther King is that we have a moral obligation to defy unjust laws and or edicts. And this has been my theme throughout this entire Wuhan coronavirus episode and the government response to it. I have tried to make the case since March of 2020 that we have a moral obligation as Americans to defy immoral laws. In this case, there's no laws shutting down the economy in the response to the Wuhan coronavirus. These are unilateral edicts, mostly by governors, blue state governors in particular, some red state governors. We, We know, like Governor Abbott in Texas, he's shown to be not quite as conservative as I thought he was. Okay, so this is one of the marvelous things, I think, about the Wuhan coronavirus is it smoked out who is true blue liberty and constitutional driven and who is not. Who is a lemming and who is a free thinker, uh, someone who adheres to our constitutional rights and the Bill of Rights. It smoked out these people. These people who are perfectly fine with 
with shutting down churches. These are the people I don't want to be anywhere near. These are the people I wish would either get educated or consider leaving the United States because they don't understand how their rights are being trashed. And so our lives have been turned upside down, not because of an unjust law, as Martin Luther King would say we must defy, but because of unjust edicts, unilateral decisions by Cuomo in New York and Pritzker in Illinois and Wolf in Pennsylvania and Murphy in New Jersey. There's been no vote, certainly by the people and not by the legislature on any of this stuff. And they don't want to because they don't want to be on record shutting down the economy, do they? They don't want to have to run for re-election and say, yeah, you know, I voted to shut down the economy. I voted to shut down your gym. I voted to shut down your restaurant. I voted to crush your economic life. These politicians don't have the guts to do that. So they leave it up to the, quote, emergency powers of these blue state governors and these blue city mayors to crush people's constitutional lives. And so Martin Luther King, if he were alive today, as far as the response to the Wuhan coronavirus is concerned, it seems to me that he would be in my court, that he would be saying, nope, these edicts, not laws, but these edicts are immoral. Defying and denying people from going to church and, and worship together and, and praise God, praise the Lord, it is completely and totally immoral. Denying person liberty, the, the economic liberty to go to work and earn a living, that is immoral. And I firmly believe that Martin Luther King would come down on the side against these maniac political leaders shutting down our economy and shutting down our lives and shutting down our constitutional rights. So back to what Kamala, Kamala, whatever, Harris is saying that Martin Luther King would be on the side of the, quote, protesters? Are you out of your mind? If Martin Luther King were alive today, he would reject, quote, Black Lives Matter. Why? Because it's exclusionary. Because it carves out a niche and puts a, a certain group of people on a different pedestal than, than others. Among multiple reasons he would be against it, but that would be certainly one of them. If we are judging people by the content of our character and not by the color of our skin, then Black Lives Matter would have been rejected by Martin Luther King. Further, these so-called protests in the street, what are they protesting? If Martin Luther King were dropped down from heaven right now and I had to explain to him what the protesters in Portland, so-called protesters, the rioters in Portland, the rioters in Kenosha, the rioters in these various cities that we've seen in Atlanta, major cities in this country. What are they protesting exactly? They're protesting every time a person whose skin happens to be darker than the, the police officers who shot that person. They're protesting every time they, they see an opportunity to do so. They don't care about the facts of the case. They don't care that these suspects have not followed the orders of police officers. They don't care that they have resisted arrest. They don't care that there's been a fight and a struggle and all. They don't care about facts like that. So, so what is it they're after? Are they after to completely defund the police? 
Are they after a society that, that has no law and order? It seems to me that if, if I had to explain this to Martin Luther King Jr., the why they have been rioting for, what, 65, 70 days straight, 90 days, I don't know what it is, in Portland, it seems to me they're, they're rioting and, quote, protesting to eliminate police. And so what would Martin Luther King say about eliminating police in our society? I don't think Martin Luther King would be for that because law and order is born of a civil society. And this civil society in particular is born of the Bible. And the Bible speaks of order and law, God's law mostly, but certainly law and order in the Bible. And so to reject police is to reject law and order. And to reject law and order in our civil society is to not only reject the United States Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, but it's also to reject the Bible, because the Bible does speak of law and order. Again, mostly God's law, but the laws of humanity, thou shalt not kill, right? Those are also our laws in, in, in this society. And so these people are rejecting law and order and our civil society and our constitutional republic and our God-given rights. And Kamala seems to believe that Martin Luther King would be all for this. I reject it. Roll tape. And left behind by an economy and justice system that have too often denied black folks our dignity and rights. Stop tape. This is just patently not true. We have laws on the books now. First of all, we have the Declaration of Independence, which was the ticking time bomb to end slavery. And then we had a bloody civil war, the, the most costly in terms of lives to the United States in our history, some 700,000, they don't even know the exact number, almost equal on both sides, north and the south. I think the south suffered more casualties overall. She's completely ignoring the facts. And the facts are, yeah, we had slavery in this country. Yes, we had Jim Crow in this country. Yes, we had segregation. Um, and they were all, by the way, born of her party, the Democrat Party. But we fought a war. Why are we fighting this war again? Slavery was eliminated 155 years ago. Why is she talking and the others in the Democrat Party, throughout the entire Democrat convention. By the way, I'm still on a high. I am still on a high from that Republican convention and, and, and the last night. I have sent copies of that video. The president's speech was great, but it was afterwards that really is just knocking around in my head and, and resonating in my soul. And I'm hearing Ave Maria uh, in my mind over and over and over again and, I, and I, I just have this image of that tenor up there and the president looking up at the tenor and that that picture that that painted it painted to me that the president of the United States this president, Donald Trump, has great respect for other people he put himself in that image, think about this the president's down there on the stage with the first lady and his family, and they're looking up at that tenor. He gave up his position in 
that upper reaches of the, the second floor of the White House and allowed another American to take it for a higher reason, for a, a greater purpose. I think when Ave Maria is sung, it's the closest thing to heaven on this planet. I think it's the closest thing that we'll get to my version of heaven. And, and the president looking up at this person representing God, heaven, whatever, it was a stunning moment. It was, a, for me, a moving moment burned indelibly in, in my memory. And I am encouraging people to go back, because I know a lot of people watched the final night of the convention, Donald Trump's speech on these networks that cut away. Most of them cut away, and they didn't see this. And I am encouraging people to go to YouTube. I've sent it out to multiple people. Um, the fireworks were great, but there, this was this moment in time with the tenor that the president looking up and, and just standing there and enjoying the music. He, he was saying about four songs, Alleluia, uh, Ave Maria, uh, America the Beautiful. It was just a wonderful moment. I've sent it to a couple of friends of mine who are not conservatives and who are not Republicans, and they too were impressed. And I said to somebody who is a diehard Joe Biden person it probably went in this ear and out the other and that is you need to listen to this you need to go see this oh i watched the networks he said no you didn't see this buddy this is your house right the white house is your house and you have every right to participate approve or not approve of what transpired i don't know how anybody could not approve whether you hate Donald Trump or not, this wonderful scene at the White House and this criticism of using the White House is insane. What is the one thing that's been beaten in our heads for the last six months from these so-called experts on the Wuhan coronavirus? That's stay in your home as much as possible. Well, that's what he did. That's what the president did. He stayed in the White House. They denied, you know, they couldn't do the convention right in uh, North Carolina. They thought about it uh, for a couple of months in Florida. And hopefully that was going to work. Didn't work. And then they were thinking about maybe Texas and then maybe um, some historical site. And, and then they finally say, you know what? Let's just do it at home. Yeah, it's a people's house. Sure. But it's occupied right now by a guy by the name of Donald Trump who happens to be president of the United States. And that's his home. Temporarily. He's renting it if you will. He has a lease. Hopefully the lease will be extended another four years. Uh, so this all, it's all nonsense. It's all static. Absolutely uh, all static. But so is this craziness that's coming out of the lips of, of Kamala Harris. That somehow we don't have laws on the books that make sure that there's equal protection, not only under the law, but if you're buying a house, you can't be redlined. Or if you're applying for a job, you can't be discriminated against. There are laws on the books protecting all of what she's talking about there. And yeah, we, we fought a bloody civil war over this. And by the way, the statistics, as far as the percentage of blacks killed by police officers, uh, there are more blacks killed by police officers. But there are more blacks as a per capita basis, as a percentage of the population, there are more blacks committing crime. 
But as far as blacks being killed by police, the numbers don't bear out what she's saying. It is not the majority. The majority killed by police officer involved shooting is white people uh, because statistically there are more whites in this country and that's the way the numbers shake out. And police don't go hunt down black people to shoot them. It is an outright lie. Are there bad cops? few of them. Usually they're rooted out one way or another and they're gotten rid of. Most of these cases where there's rioting in the streets and the so-called peaceful protesters are about cases, <clears throat> excuse me, like Michael Brown that turn out to be urban legend. And Michael Brown was a criminal who did not follow the orders of police. And this is repeated over and over and over again. This is happening. These riots are happening because it's an election year. And we have Joe Biden out there now finally saying something and making some public statements. He's leaving his library. He's going to make a a couple speeches uh, during the week, finally. And he's made some public statements about the rioting and the mayhem in Portland and the other cities, the so-called demonstrations. And he's uh, now condemning them. But now he's saying that the incident that took place in Portland where the Patriot prayer person was gunned down in cold blood, um, that these Trump supporters, so-called, are looking for a fight. Well, I know a little bit about Patriot prayer. And it disgusts me when I read these articles that say the person who was gunned down there was a member of Patriot prayer which is a far right wing group when is it when did it become far right wing and fringe to praise god that's what patriot prayer is all about and so these these trump supporters in portland in particular come out and say you know what they they've had enough it's a sunday or a saturday and they they get in their trucks and they have their trump Signs and, and they roll through the streets of Portland. They should be able to do that unaccosted. But apparently we can't. And Joe Biden now says that the, the Portland uh, violence, um, first of all, that the, uh, these, these Trump protesters or, or Trump supporters uh, were looking for a fight. That's number one. And number two, he says that the president is, quote, recklessly encouraging the violence. How in the world is a guy who came out during his acceptance speech during the Republican National Convention calling for law and order, calling for peace, calling for the civil society? How is that inciting rioting? And then I had a a Democrat friend of mine, well, look at his Twitters. Look at his Twitter account, and uh, he's inciting uh, violence that way. He's not inciting violence on his Twitter. What he is doing, he is speaking his mind, just like any other American. Doesn't Donald Trump have a right to exercise his First Amendment rights? He's not inciting rioting. There isn't a single tweet that you can point to where he is inciting rioting and inciting violence. He's supporting his supporters... Not sure, not 100% of them are pure as a driven snow, but the vast majority are just regular old Americans, and he's encouraging his support. That's all he's doing, Joe. He's not inciting violence, he's not inciting 
rioting. That would be the people on your side. That would be Kamala Harris, who in another interview came out and said, yeah, we encourage these people to continue doing what they're doing. You talk about a dog whistle. If you're some nutcase in floor, in, um, in Portland, where you got your helmet on and you got your flak jacket and somebody spelled in crooked letters and white uh, press on your back and you go around and you videotape and you instigate uh, trouble, those are the people who are instigating rioting. Those are the people who are instigating violence. Those are the people violating our civil society and calling death to police and, and defund police. Like, for example, the mayor of Portland, this, this nutcase, this weakling, Ted Wheeler. I'm going to continue to work with the community on the historic changes that we've already made and have committed to making as we reimagine what public safety and racial justice can look like in our community. Stop tape. So we're going to reimagine uh, policing and social justice. What, what kind of anarchist statement? Reimagine. This sounds like something Stalin would have said right out of Karl Marx. Maybe he's reading out of the Communist Manifesto or Saul Linsky's Rules for Radicals here. It sounds like it. He looks like a weasel, by the way. Reimagine policing? No. Policing has pretty much been static. You know, the, the basic core of policing has been pretty much constant for about maybe 5,000 years, the history of mankind. Sure, the, the tactics have changed over the centuries and the millennia. And the equipment has changed. But in essence, you have a police to keep the peace. That's about it. And so if you don't have police, then it allows crazies, like we're seeing in Portland, to disturb the peace of peaceful people. I'm sure there's still some peaceful people in Portland. If there are, I would like to know about them. Please let me know you exist. I don't know how in the wide world of sports you're putting up with this. I don't care if you live 10 miles away from downtown Portland. That's still your city. And why are you allowing this crap to happen? Whether you are a Democrat or Republican, you're an American. Why are you allowing these hoodlums to take control of your streets? It is beyond me. More from this weakling mayor. Roll tape. We'll continue to do that work in the weeks and the months ahead. There's so much work to do. And I'll be intentionally engaging the public as we proceed along these, proceed to uh, engage in that hard work together. Stop. It's, it's not hard work, Mayor. Um, unless, of course, you're following the footsteps of uh, de Blasio uh, in New York, which creates a lot of hard work for the police because he has the police stand down. Every police union now uh, is endorsing Donald Trump for president. Why is that? Why is that, Mayor? Why would uh, police organizations uh, endorse Donald Trump and not Joe Biden? Hmm? Roll tape. Yesterday's events began with hundreds of cars filled with supporters of the president rallying in Clackamas County and then driving through downtown Portland. Stop tape. So he, this is a news conference from Sunday, uh, and he's talking about events that happened Saturday, at, including the shooting of the innocent American from Patriot Prayer. And so he's trying to set things up by saying, hey, these weren't the normal rioters that are destroying the streets of Portland. These were imported from another area, and they supported Donald Trump. So it's the Donald Trump supporters 
who triggered the mayhem. Basically saying, hey, you know what? The guy deserved what he got. That's what he's saying without saying it. And he goes on, of course, to blame the 45th president. Roll tape. They were supported and energized by the president himself. Stop the tape. Energized and supported. Well, if, if you call Donald Trump tweeting, hey, there's a lot of great Americans out there, or thank you, you great Americans, for standing up for me, um, that's uh, supporting these people, fine. Donald Trump supports his supporters. Where, where is the crime in that exactly, Mayor? Please tell us. Roll tape. President Trump, for four years, we've had to live with you and your racist attacks on black people. Stop tape. See, so we call this a non sequitur, right? So he goes from one thought, which is these Donald Trump supporters exercise their First Amendment rights to drive through the streets of, of downtown Portland with their Trump signs. Uh, so he goes from that thought, which is completely legal, nothing illegal about it, nothing anti-civil society, nothing anti-constitutional, makes, tries to make the segue but can't because it's a non sequitur to Donald Trump, we hate you. So his true colors come out. He's allowing this to happen. I guarantee you. He's getting coaching from uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and the Democrat leadership to, you know what, Mayor? Just keep allowing this to happen, okay? We, we, we got your back. And this will help foment unrest. This will help foment a rising tide against Donald Trump. This is the, the conversations they have. I can't prove it. I have no recording of it. Just like I have no recording of the conversations that took place back in February and, and March of this year between Pelosi and Schumer and the Democrat leadership and the blue state governors when they all got together and they said, you know what? Uh, these blue state governors control about one third of the U.S. economy. If we start shutting down these states, partially, not 100 percent. We'll, uh, we'll allow uh, government workers to work at home and, of course, <laughs> not shut down government. We can't do that. Uh, we'll allow Costco to be open and Walmart. But if we shut down 80, 90 percent of our economy under the auspices of a major health emergency, then what's it going to do to the rest of the economy? And what's it going to trigger in the other states, the other two thirds, much of which is red. There's some purple out there. Well, it, it triggered exactly what we had. And that is an economy that was crushed. And constitutional rights that were crushed right along with it. That's the conversation I'll never be able to prove. And I'll never be able to prove this conversation that I know took place. And that is mayor and uh, other mayors of, uh, say, uh, in, in Wisconsin or wherever, Atlanta, uh, go ahead and allow this unrest to happen. This is good for the party. Remember, these people who are in charge now are still reliving the acid trips that they took in the 1960s and early 1970s on the streets of San Francisco in the Haight-Ashbury. And so they think that they can get their way. You know, they ended the Vietnam War, right? That's what they think. They think they that Nixon didn't end the Vietnam War, but they 
ended the Vietnam. By the way, they didn't get their candidate in 1972, George McGovern, by rioting in the streets. Didn't work out very well or in 1968 either, for that matter. Uh, but they, this is in their DNA. And so they're encouraging people now to continue and to allow the mayhem. How do you explain what's going on in Chicago? Every weekend, this last weekend, 46 shot, 10 dead. It's every weekend. And it's you know, during the week, too. How do you explain that? The president would like to go in there and restore law and order in Chicago, but why isn't Mayor Lightweight? Why isn't J.B. Pritzker going down to Chicago, waddling down there, his large self, and saying, hey, what, you know what, this, this needs to end. We need to bring this to a close. And so the president wants to go to Kenosha, Wisconsin, and survey the damage and, and talk to the police and you know pat them on the back and, I don't know, maybe give a speech, whatever. And yes, Wisconsin is a swing state and it's an important state for Donald Trump. He wants to go, but the nutcase governor in Wisconsin, Tony Evers, is saying, hey, you can't come. Now, he's the president of the United States. We're, what, two months away from a presidential election. He's not campaigning and going to Wisconsin, but it's important that he goes there, in my opinion, from an electoral point of view. But as a as the president of the United States, he needs to go there. And for that matter, you know, he could go to Portland. I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't go anywhere near Portland. And t- there's a side of me that says these liberal cities, these blue cities, just let them self destruct. You know, I, it, it goes against who and what I am as an American and someone who believes in the civil society. But if if the people of Portland are dumb enough to allow this to go on. So be it. And the good people leave. We know what's happening in Seattle. Similar scenes there. And these major corporations are out of there. Um, they're gone. And so Evers is telling uh, Donald Trump, don't come. I hope I hope and pray the president um, goes. This is a, an open debate. Apparently we're having right now. What is going on in the streets of uh, Portland and and in uh, Kenosha, and why? And again, if it was up to me and I was trying to explain it to Martin Luther King or whoever dropped down here from another planet, it would be these people are in their souls anarchists who want to destroy our civil society. And certainly one of the pillars of any civil society is policing and keeping the peace. And these people want to destroy that. This is some form of excuse me, debate that we're having in this country. I don't know why. I don't know what happened to these people. It's a small fraction of our society. It's not the majority. The majority wants law and order, and the majority supports the police, no doubt about it, across all ethnic backgrounds. But there is a sliver out there that wants to destroy our civil society, so it's easier to make it over, of course. And that's what Barack Obama did as president, only did it through an executive and legislative fashion. And Nancy Pelosi um, wants to continue on to destroy our civil society so she can help impose this socialist doctrine on us all. And oh, by the way, in case you didn't hear it, Nancy Pelosi's got an opinion on the debates. Roll tape. I don't think that there should be any debates. Stop tape. You know, it... I, I don't take this woman for her word. I speak Pelosi ease so I can decipher this. 
I don't think she's actually saying there shouldn't be debates. Um, it's possible that maybe on the surface that's what she's saying, but I, I believe what she's doing is lowering expectations. She's trying to frame the president as being not worthy of being on the debate stage. And so if old Joe Biden happens to show up for the debates, it, it, it's lowering the bars. Like, oh, well, he showed up, but look, look who he has to stand next to, the stalker. The guy who stalked Hillary Clinton on that stage four years ago. Oh my goodness, Joe Biden, you know, you don't really have to try here. They're lowering the expectations because they know they have a deeply flawed presidential candidate. They picked a guy that they feel they can manipulate, and clearly they are, given this Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden manifesto that wants to completely rewrite who and what we are as Americans, from uh, climate change to um, redistribution of wealth uh, of taxes. Read it. It's, it's important that you get a, a handle on this manifesto that is the plank, the plank of the Biden-Harris ticket. They want to destroy this constitutional republic and the free market system as we know it. And so this actually might come out in a debate where the, you, know, you might get a moderator who actually digs down into this manifesto and this plank of the uh, Biden-Harris ticket. But in the end, Joe Biden is a deeply flawed candidate. He's a Manchurian candidate, and they're just filling in the blanks. And they know when they roll him out there on stage next to Donald Trump, he's going to be intimidated. And he's going to start to stutter and stammer, and he's going to try and do text Joe to 30333, Joe 33333330. You know, the deer in the headlight shots that we got so many times during the Democrat debates uh, leading up to his coronation as the nominee for the Democrat Party. And so Nancy Pelosi knows this. Uh, Tom Perez knows this, the head of the Democrat Party. They all know it. And so they're trying to lower the bar, lower expectations for Joe Biden. This is a tacit admission that they have a, a deeply flawed candidate in Joe Biden. And so this is my ledger register for this week. Um, and it's relatively simple. If Nancy Pelosi gets her way and the presidential debates are canceled, because that's effectively what she's saying, right? Would it help or hurt President Trump's reelection chances? So Nancy Pelosi comes out, says there shouldn't be debates. Okay, fine. We'll stipulate that. So would it help or hurt the president of the United States and his reelection chances? My gut is that Joe Biden is almost in a lose-lose situation here. He shows up, he shows how weak and frail and how he cannot articulate his policy ideas, and if he does articulate them, that they're easy to deconstruct. If he doesn't show up, for whatever reason Pelosi and company concoct, then that hurts him too. I think Joe Biden is in a really bad position here, and he's being smoked out of his house right now. Because he knows he's in trouble. He's looking at the polling. And the polling says that the majority of Americans across all strata support law and order 
and don't support the rioting and the looting and the so-called peaceful demonstrations. They want police funded. And so if the Democrat Party is coming down on the side of defund police, which we know it is, they're in trouble. And Joe Biden is the personification of the modern Democrat Party attempt to undo our civil society. And so when you look at who is the law and order candidate running for president of the United States, who is the law and order candidate? There's no comparison. There's only one, and it's certainly not Joe Biden. This edition of the Ledger Report is on its way to the Archives Library of Congress. Thank you for listening. I'm Graham Ledger. And remember, even when I'm wrong, I'm right.